as we continue in our season of Epiphany, we again have a call story like we had last week, a call story of Jesus reaching out and asking, in this case, two sets of brothers to follow Him. And it's right at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and so it frames for us that one of the first things that is important for Jesus to do is to find people who are willing to be His followers, to be His disciples, students, if you will. Our gospel lesson began that Jesus went to the countryside and began to proclaim the gospel, telling people that the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is upon us. Repent and believe in the good news. And then he goes to this fishing village in Galilee and finds Simon and his brother Andrew. And what's amazing to me is how he knew that Simon and Andrew would so powerfully respond to the invitation to follow. He says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And what's distinctive in Mark's telling of this story is it says they immediately followed him. This is a life-changing decision that they're making. Everything from their, that day on will be different. Following Jesus is a full-time commitment. And for three years, they will follow Jesus everywhere He goes. They will learn from Him. They will study how to interact with other people with love and compassion and grace and healing. Everything is changed. And they make the decision immediately. How many important life decisions do you make immediately? Now, I've heard over the years that there are people who had love at first sight with their spouse, and they immediately knew that that was the person that they were going to be with the rest of their life. Now, that's not always mutual. Sometimes it's one person and not the other, but I have heard that. Does that ring true for anybody? Oh, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to put you on the spot. But I can't think of too many decisions that I make immediately. Buying a house, that's a big decision, right? Do you make that immediately? I don't think so. You study the market, you go visit a few houses, you, you talk it over, you think about it. Um, even, even small things, we take a lot of time. We want information, we want to analyze, we want to know. And what Jesus does, He just says, follow me. He doesn't say, I've got a great uh, 401k plan. Um, or He doesn't even more practically say, if you sign up to follow me, this is what we're going to do together. We're going to go everywhere around, and we're going to tell people the good news, and if people need healing, we're going to heal them. If they need food, we're going to feed them, and uh, we're going to stir up some good trouble because not everyone's going to like Jesus and his disciples. He says none of that. He says they immediately left. And then it's sort of like he just continues to go down the shoreline, and he finds the sons of Zebedee who are still in the boat mending the nets, James and John. And he, it doesn't say, follow me, but it's implied. And they not only leave, there's dad, poor Zebedee. He's got his sons working for him. It's the family business. They just leave him, stunned. Life changed forever. 
So I ponder this story. Every time it comes up, I ponder not only how Jesus knows our hearts, and he hand-selects these four, and they do become the inner circle of the twelve. These two sets of brothers become really the inside group with Jesus. He picks them first for a reason. He knows their hearts. But no, no one else could see the potential of Simon and Andrew and James of John as, as faith leaders. In that tradition, if you're going to be a, a disciple of a rabbi, you would have been groomed throughout your entire childhood and adolescence and into young adulthood by going to all the right schools and studying under all the right teachers, and then finally you'd be invited. Here, they're just fishermen, ordinary people, but Jesus knows their hearts, and they immediately respond. And there must be something more than just the words that Jesus spoke that turns them so powerfully to follow. There's something about a spiritual presence, I almost want to say like a gravitational pull, that when you stood in Jesus' presence and He spoke these words by looking into your very soul and said, follow me, the only way to respond is immediately yes. But that's not actually the only call story we have in our readings today. The book of Jonah, which, believe it or not, is actually bigger than just a story about Jonah and a big fish. We got part of the story of Jonah in chapter 3. It's a very short book of the Old Testament, but Jonah, I will just boldly declare, is the most effective prophet in the Old Testament. We heard in our reading the one and only sentence Jonah spoke as a prophet. He goes into the city of Nineveh, and he said, 40 days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. And they all heard the message, and they repented, and they became followers of God. That's an immediate response, don't you think? But why, if we back up to the first part of Jonah, because let me tell you, when, when Jonah is the most effective prophet in the history of the Bible, he's not happy about it. In fact, if you read chapter 4, he's really grumpy that he was so effective because the people of Nineveh in those days were the enemies of the Jewish people. So in chapter 1, when Jonah is first told to go to Nineveh to proclaim a word of repentance to the Ninevites, he doesn't go to Nineveh, he goes to Tarshish. He hops on a boat and says, I want to be as far away from Nineveh as possible because what I want is for the Ninevites to be punished. I don't want them to repent because they're our enemies. So, well, yada, yada, part of the story. He gets thrown off the boat. He's in the fish. And uh, finally, he gets out. And God is, picks up in chapter 3, and God says, okay, do you want to run away from me again, or do we want to try this a second time? Do you want to go to Nineveh? He goes, fine, I'll go to Nineveh but I'm only doing one sentence, and that's it. <laughs> and he does, and it works. And so I wanted to frame this as the immediacy. In both cases, there's something immediately powerful and transformational about how God's Word can work in our life. For the disciples, it's the word of welcome and the word of invitation, and they submit their whole life to following Jesus. And they are in for an interesting, wild ride with Jesus. They'll be first-hand witnesses to all the miracles, 
to all the teachings, to all the people that they got to see their lives transformed and made whole. They got to see it all, and they got to do it all. That invitation is for us, too. Following Jesus as a disciple is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. By baptism, we are all invited on that path. And we, too, can share in witnessing what God is doing in our lives and in the world, where there's healing and transformation, where love is shared and given, where justice is restored and things are made right. We get to be part of that and witnesses of that. Or we could be like Jonah and think, I know better. God wouldn't want me to forgive those people, so I'm not sharing anything with them. Until God will say, okay, how would you like to spend three days in a big fish? I've often said, God will, God's Spirit will whisper in your ear. And God is very patient with us, which is good. But God will whisper, but if we don't listen to the Spirit, God sometimes takes a two-by-four and smacks you upside the face. And it's like, okay, fine, I get it. So reluctant or not, God's invitation to discipleship, God's invitation to you to follow that path is inevitable. God has a call upon you, and it's much better for the work of the kingdom for our own life is, is that we discern that, that call and follow the Spirit's nudging so that we might be a blessing to others. But we can go our own way, and you can fight it. And Jonah fought it even after he was the most effective prophet in the history of the Bible. And he was miserable. Read the whole book. Take you just 20 minutes. But in this season of Epiphany, as we consider our own path, our own discipleship walk, my encouragement is, is to be more like Andrew and Simon and James and John, to understand what it means to follow Jesus, to all the places of blessings and all the places of hardship, which is where we meet God's people when they're struggling, when they need hope. We get to be the very hands and feet of Christ in the world. So may we say yes, and may we follow in faith. Amen.